Welcome to the talk, uh, Antar talk, it's a fieldworks talk, it's the talk number eight, and today we have Yuna Kim and Zil Vostalova with us. Um, this is going to be a conversation around design, fashion design, anthropology, and wearing pixels. So I will very shortly introduce um, our two colleagues. Um, Jen is there also, she's nodding, you cannot Talk hear. nine. Nine, yeah, <laughs> nine colleagues. We are nine colleagues here. No, no, talk number nine today. Talk number nine, is it really? Oh, I, I announced it wrong then. Talk number nine. <laughs> I'm losing Start track. Again. <laughs> so crazy. We're doing so many talks every week, new talks, new energies. So, yes. Fabulous. Thank you for joining. So Yuna Kim is a dear colleague of mine here in Berlin. Um, she's uh, she is originally from Korea. Uh, she grew up also uh, in Europe and then back in Korea. And um, she made a training in the Central Saint Martins in fashion design. In, uh, uh, and um, and then she did um, a very interesting master that we had here, that we have here, um, that was at Freie Universität. But it's uh, the visual and media anthropology masters. Um, in Berlin, um, and now she's uh, a colleague of mine here at Matters of Activity, uh, which is a, of a cluster of excellence in which we, we, we work precisely on this cross-pollinization between uh, design, humanities, and also natural sciences. So yeah, I'm very, very glad that uh, Yuna is on board. Um, and uh, Yuna invited um, a wonderful guest, Zil uh, Vostalova, which I didn't have the chance to, to know. Jill uh, um, is also um, a fashion designer She's a digital uh, fashion designer, which is a bridging between the, the physical and the, and the digital, of course, if you understand. Um, she holds a degree from the humanities at Charles University and uh, in fashion design in Amsterdam Fashion Institute. And she's uh, like you now, also in this um, activity of prototyping in VR, in, in, in 3D, uh, virtual prototyping. Um, and uh, well, there is all the information on the website, so please uh, go to our website and, and check it out. <laughs> so thank you very much, both of you, for accepting this. We're going to go for a short presentation of Yuna and her project, and then until we have also a short slot to speak and react to this provocation. Thank you very much. Yuna, you have the floor. Um. Max, can you please give me words to share the screen? Of course. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Yuna, here, you are now co-hosts. Yes, we can see your screen. You didn't ask because you're <laughs> so used to that now. Yes, perfect. We cannot hear you no more, though. Mm. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Hi. Hi. Um, hi. Thank you for the introduction. Um, yeah, I'm an um, anthropologist trained as a fashion designer coming from Korea. Uh, and I wanted to talk about what I miss um, a lot before COVID-19, which is just sitting outside in a cafe and watching people going back and forth um, and looking back at my people watching times I remember that whether it was in Seoul or in London or Berlin what people wear on a daily basis seemed to be so alike um, and they were already made from factories and I wondered where did all the clothes before industrialization go to and if these clothes that turned into costumes nowadays come back as everyday clothing would it bring back the lost worlds and cultures um, according to Eduardo Viveiros de Castro, Amerindians consider clothes as bodies which enable the wearer to carry on a certain life in the world. And here jaguars are humans wearing a jaguar skin and that piece of clothing makes them see beer when they are looking at what humans call blood. So inspired by these Amerindian perspectivism, I wanted to see if modes of being in the world is wearable through a certain piece of clothing. And the obvious choice to find out the answer was to start with my own background. Korean traditional clothing's pattern pieces 
together symbolize the relationship between the heaven, earth, and human, which also happens to create no waste of fabric using all widths of the fabric. And the belief that a certain energy is embedded in the garment that passes on to wearers, shown in examples such as how the baby's first clothing, penet dogori, is made of used clothes from an elder in the same village, because of the belief that the good energy in their elderly's clothes will be transmitted to the baby's clothes and the newborn will live a long life. It's open structure that fits many bodies, including non-human ones, like the air passing through the space between the garment and the body, all seem to align with bringing a more caring world where all beings exist in relation to each other, different from the world of mass-produced garments that instrumentalizes nature, exploits factory workers, whilst prioritizing financial profit-making. So I started hanging out with Korean weavers and clothes makers, learning how to make and wear traditional Korean garment called hanbok or uriot, and see if worlds are wearable. Through fieldwork in Seoul last year, first of all, I realized it is hard to pin down what hanbok even is, which period's hanbok from the 5,000 years of history counts as the original. I met seamstresses and merchants collaborating to sell fast-paced made-to-measure hanbok, mainly for weddings, and young designers making hanbok following modern fashion production system, as well as des digital designers making virtual hanboks for online games. Hanbok designer Singari says, nowadays people feel like wearing hanbok even by just consuming YouTube videos of others wearing it. Whilst being mesmerized by the diversity of the existence of hanbok, I was questioning how not only the surface value of hanbok is reinterpreted, but also the relational ontology of hanbok can revive. An activist as well as a hanbok maker, Ms. Igian, made me believe this is possible. She already brought back traditional clothing into daily life through a student movement in the turbulent 80s during military dictatorship especially focusing on the symbiotic and circulative logic of life before Korea's rapid industrialization. For almost a year now, I wear Hanbok online and in physical life. After hearing Ms. Lee's stories, I started to feel like I'm wearing a different world when I'm wearing Hanbok. I realized that storytelling is one of the important aspects for clothes to shape the wearer's mode of being in the world. I will work as her archivist this summer, moving along with her stories and amplifying her thoughts by making hanbok or wearable worlds with fellow hanbok makers and computer scientists. The making aspect will happen through two projects. Um, the first one with computer scientist uh, and augmented reality expert Julian Letzlier. Uh, we are exploring an AR version of Hanbok, experimenting if relational ontology can be interpreted digitally. Uh, so focusing mainly on the storytelling aspect, the augmented layer will show the relationships of diverse matters from mulberry leaves to silkworms that shape the Hanbok when pointing the smartphone at the garment. Uh, we're documenting our collaborative process, looking in even into the codes that creates the AR garment as well as the tangible materiality of the digital that people tend to forget whilst being online. The second project is happening at the Cluster Matters of Activity with Maxime here, which might expand into the Antarctic exhibition. We're working on a haptic hanbok that is connected with virtual reality scenes, and this haptic hanbok will stretch the wearer's senses to feel vibrations of amplified sounds of Earth beings such as dust, stones, and cosmic rays. And I'm curious to see how the wearer's posture or actions, perceptions, and how they relate to others can change through this experience. The design of the handbook will be created collaboratively in a workshop format, focusing on the process of making rather than a predetermined end result. Meanwhile, I was also crafting digital handbook using a 3D design program, thinking about what counts as wearing in the digital realm. When bodily features can disappear, online, why are we stuck in the format of clothes with armholes? We can wear anything or be anything. Maybe digital hanbok should look more like sun rays meeting waterfalls or a weathering stone. And here I recalled my fieldwork several years ago, oops, in Amsterdam, where I met digital fashion designer Jill, who was also present here as my wonderful guest, 
Uh, Jill, together with Jakob and Sander, were making augmented reality clothing, as you can see in this video. They were dressing people with virtual layers that looked like leftover fabric pieces that goes to waste after making clothes. They were, I'd say, creating awareness of tons of waste fashion industry was generating. Um, maybe, Zil, can you jump in here and introduce us a bit about your work, maybe starting from how tying ecological aspect with digital fashion all started? Okay, thank you very much. I'm unmuted now. Um, yes, uh, um, uh, we met with Yuna in uh, 2017 uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Amsterdam Fashion Week uh, while I was presenting this HoloLens application. But um, the year before I graduated from Amsterdam Fashion Week, uh, sorry, Amsterdam Fashion Institute uh, with uh, my project that was uh, uh, actually working out the concept of digital fashion. Um, I presented a collection that was both made digitally and physically uh, using uh, no waste patterning principles, uh, which I moved to um, computer software in order to save uh, production costs. So I um, developed uh, three garments uh, using the same patterns. I was actually deconstructing the classical jacket that became an affluent article uh, in our in, you know, late uh, 20th century, thanks to um, overproduction and etc. So this um, peak of um, or oh, this this basically the peak of the fashion craftsmanship became very affluent and uh, lost on its quality and uh, value. So I wanted to um, recreate it and give it another meaning so that from this deconstruction and uh, within the frame of, of the oh, basically a rectangle using the whole width and the length of the weave, I created three different looks. And um, yes, so um, uh, here the idea uh, developed into uh, crossing to another world. Uh, so I was kind of... Um, um, searching for a use of these digital garments that I created. So they are existing on them own, you know, on itself. So they are, they become another uh, commodity and we can um, create storytelling in different worlds, such as VR. Here is the uh, piece of the work that uh, we uh, work together with uh, modeling agency, uh, New Aliens modeling agency, uh, which we collaborate together and we actually uh, digitize the models. But we always try to uh, uh, inform that digital is not the answer. Digital is just part of the process that fits into this digital mode, which is more complex, thinking about how to use digital garments and what we can do with them. And so we are somehow working with the fact that, yes, we can be both digital and physical, and it can complement each other rather than just uh, seeing digital as another way of uh, fixing the problem. Um, yes, uh, the idea is moving on forward. Um, I established a, the a studio uh, called Gizmo Lab, which is gathering an ensemble of, which is an ensemble of uh, 3D artists and creators, uh, all working as a freelancers. And we presented last year uh, another idea, which is working with this uh, digital experience and uh, kind of uh, wearing digital garments and exploring the boundaries and the possibilities. And this project was called Speculum, which in Latin means mirror and uh, we create a situation uh, at the 
um, last Prague uh, Fashion Week um, in, two, in 2020. Uh, and so that people could come and interact with the, uh, with the installation and they could see themselves, not as themselves, but as uh, one of the models from New Aliens Agency, we keep on collaborating again, and uh, they could see themselves in garments that are uh, from old collections of high-end fashion designers from 90s, J.W. Anderson or McQueen, so that, you know, those pieces are probably very hard to find and to try. So we thought uh, that it might be, in, you know, we were curious to see this actually proof of concept are these little installations of how we can use or what what are how we can use the digital garments and um, yeah exploring the possibilities really uh, thank you Jill. <laughs> um, I might carry on like how inspired by what Jill was doing in Amsterdam I created this group called Wearing Pixels, back then Mixed Reality Fashion in 2017. So I was like, so much fun things are happening, like playing with virtual identities and exploring like what else we can be. Like, why aren't people doing this in, besides this small cohort? So I was trying to find people from various backgrounds, um, not just fashion design, but also game developing and computer science artists and so on. And um, we started uh, meeting regularly, mostly like in an annual workshop uh, where we just started learning how to use the 3D software together and shared motivations, references, and sat down imagining possible futures of digital self-exploration together. And here is a scene from the first workshop where participants sat down and after a short meditation, we started dreaming about what we would wear in 10 years from then, which was 2027. Now I feel like it's really super close now. Um, and they were encouraged to imagine the future in detail, focusing on what they were wearing, but also where they are, how they feel, and the specific situation they are in. And it was interesting to see everyone had a different vision. Someone was still in their room, making few radical changes in the future environment, another in a virtual flea market, and some went for really Hollywood science fiction stories. Um, and someone even left the room feeling repulsed by the idea of digital fashion. Um, yeah, and it carried on to the 2018 workshop where we tried HoloLens prototypes and uh, played around with the idea of exquisite corpse and like various bodies and face shapes. Um, and then in 2019 in Prague, the dreaming session took another form in a broader context. So instead of imagining specific clothing in 10 years future, we started mind mapping what each of us value in life and what directions we want to take and finding common grounds and differing points um as you can i don't know if this works yeah you can see here um and here inclusivity decentralization sharing spirituality taking care of multi-species were some values we all shared and new terms such as holo sapiens or holy sapiens were created to define our small group and made us feel closer to each other. Uh, but I must say not everyone agreed on this format of mind mapping. So in the end, it was just expanded into a huge discussion round and we named it Ever Evolving Manifesto that will uh, yeah, just grow bigger and bigger, uh, which some parts were put down in an online cloud document. Yeah, so here is all I have. <laughs> And I just wanted to share, uh, say that uh, wearables really shape the mode of being in the world or even make certain species survive in the world, like how Homo sapiens pulled through the cold ice age by wearing clothes to keep them warm. And now I wonder through making what we wear, what kind of context or worlds can the designers create with the digital tools we have? Um, as Jill just said in her uh, talk, digital is not the solution at all. Like it's just a tool that we have and now we it's like time to really discuss and share thoughts and the possibilities of virtual clothing what we can make out of it 
yeah and how it can affect relations between us and other beings how how we can compose worlds through it yeah so i'll stop sh sharing my screen here and yep. open the floor if i may uh, enter this uh, uh, actually um we didn't see it before 2020, but 2020 highlight and the situation with the pandemic highlighted uh, the virtual and the digital spaces and possibilities and tools so much, and um, therefore many uh, you know many many it, it's used by many as a tool right now, and um, they be, they are. Yeah, it's been seen now as a solution or, or part of solution on the sustainability problem, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, but exactly, it's, it's just, uh, we have to realize that uh, with this uh, new tool or possibility, it's a fact that there is a new position of digital designer, uh, which is not excluding the, the the traditional craft quite on contrary it is actually it needs to have it needs to um, the digital design the digital fashion designer have to have a knowledge of a traditional fashion craft and have to be digitally literate so you know it's a combination of two things uh, the traditional view and the very modern, let's say. Um, so that is the that is how I uh, understand it. And the fa another fact is that uh, representation, the three D digital representation of garment, has become a new uh, commodity, new product on the market. And so, yeah, uh, that's why uh, we are keeping in touch with Yuna and with people in uh, wearing pixels and, and mixed reality fashion group, because we feel the need that uh, we need to discuss uh, these uh, new tools in, it, in their complexity, as I said before, and how does it, you know, how do we benefit from it as a, as a single being, as well as how can we benefit it in a broader sense? Uh, how can we, you know, actually really make some kind of an impact uh, on, uh, on the fashion industry, maybe, or another industry, let's say. Uh, so that's very interesting and it's a multidisciplinary group uh, that uh, is combining yeah fashion there are not only fashion designers there are also um, uh, computer uh, developers uh, they are uh, very traditional fashion designers uh, they are uh, thinkers um, so it gathers a variety of people. And that's very interesting, the bridges between uh, the professions and the different languages that we can speak. So it is clearly a new opportunity. And that's why we feel the need to discuss it amongst these professions to figure out uh, yeah, kind of smooth way to go for, for forward. And we have time to experiment with different devices and see what they can do. Thank you very much, Zil. That's super, super interesting. I'm really super intrigued by the uh, the material aspect of the whole thing because obviously textile design has been notoriously famous for taking the materiality of textile as the key for developing the whole like new concepts. Uh, and so um, it's it's also very like it's a major uh, point of interest for us at the, at the cluster activity, but also for anthropologists in general, like how materiality um, affects the way you will um, you will work um, and what kinds of uh, operate chains of operations in a very old uh, uh, fashion, the uh, Leroy Gourand and technology kind of stuff. How does it affect your, you know, this chain of operations and what kind of other actors are there? Is, is the textile, is the, 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 the virtual textile up for everything or not? Uh, this is like super intriguing question for anthropologists. Uh, but we have many people on board. We have uh, 16 people. 
please don't hesitate to come on camera because we are now like uh, discussing. Um, and uh, also, if you have any comment or question for Yuna and Zil, please just drop a, a, a C or Q in, in, in chat um, or just uh, yeah take the floor. Jen, do you have any question to start with maybe? Uh, yes, of course, as always. Um, obviously, one of my interests is exactly what um, Maxima's picked up, which is around the materiality of things. <clears throat> but I wanted to point to something. Uh, I'll try and go the more direct route. But um, I have, Zeal, I have many students um, who are fashion and textile students. Um, I teach in an art school. And sustainability is the number one interest for them in thinking about what they do while at the same time the processes that they're still learning in the traditional way are clearly um meant or within the the kind of confines of a more a more traditional approach to both making but also to display and so on and i was wondering um if you could say more about the use as you talked about of digital garments partially yes for designers but also i was starting to think more about beyond the fashion show and or, or how designers might also learn and or are learning with, like you said, lots of other disciplines and different people about how to kind of bring those two things together or how to shift those, how fashion design might um, shift out of some of those quite, um, at least in the UK, it feels to me quite um, sort of long histories of processes, of politics, of ways of working, um, so that there's it, it can seem almost impossible to shift away from the traditions of making and engaging with people. So are you suggesting that the use of digital garments really might be a way um, to really transform everything? Is, is that, or am I being too idealistic here? <laughs> Since I don't know as much about the, um, the use, I suppose, that's what I'm interested in, the use of digital garments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll start a little bit with the materiality uh, question, because uh, since we uh, all have uh, digital identities and the most uh, common fashion accessory is our phone that we own, all of us, so we become kind of, you know, digital. So uh, we don't even feel it. We don't. <laughs> so, but it's the same with the digital garments. Uh, the concept of wearing might become obsolete in uh, in several years. Uh, that's some something that we were actually talking about with the group yesterday uh, and wearing pixels. Like, what does it actually mean wearing? What is it? And. Um, so yeah, so so that's just a thought um, that I would like to start with, and uh, the use the use of the digital garment uh, at the moment, uh, I tend to uh, describe it that we can use it in the fashion development while we are designing. So it's good to you know for a designer to actually have a more freedom to to actually uh, prototype more freely and more easily maybe faster even uh, without using uh, scissors pens uh, paper or or, or, or uh, you know textile which is actually the big problem for you as a fashion designer student for example that you uh, tend to uh, spend a lot of money for these things uh, then this digital uh, prototype is very good also in production because it can be a substitute in, in fitting for example fitting situation in uh, companies where uh, they're developing um, collections so usually it goes through a process of fitting every every week usually where uh the construction is being, um, you know, sharp, uh, it's it's somehow developing. So normally we create uh, maybe two or three samples of one piece. So uh, there is this uh, as a byproduct. There is a, this kind of waste that we cannot actually dispose. And um, then another, yeah, in a production in, in a production we can also use it in a, as a digital showroom situation. We can create a, a better costing because when we uh, we it can lead to new 
creation of a new business models or actually thinking about new business models in fashion uh rather than um you can what you're saying also makes me think about um the way in which fittings and material and wastage are were also always used um in relation to the limitations of design so for example the issue around body and body sizes and um standardization of bodies and um designers would say well the reason that we have these small models and these small garments is because um, we have to standardize. So, of course, there's probably some really interesting thinking and designing around difference, right? Um, mm-hmm. And thinking about ability or disability, um, body shape, even um, issues around gender and so on, I think would be interesting to think through, which are also really important thematics for young young designers today as well. Maybe it's a really obvious point, but it came up in my brain when you were talking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also very interesting. This is what I was uh, including in my work because I see fashion design as a, some kind of like a architecture on a moving object, which is our medium is a body. So the body is always connected to our work and we have to consider it. So um, I uh, included also uh, body scanning and the ways of uh, shaping digital identities and I was exploring the boundaries in that and you know from very very uh, realistically looking um, bodies uh, created by body scanning we tend to move towards you know shaping it modeling it from the scratch so that's just the development that we do but um, it moved us somewhere, this kind of research that uh, we've been doing and trying different technologies and uh, applying it to to what we yeah, what we need in our work. So, as you said, the sizing problem and and uh, even a gender problem and stuff like that. So um, thank you. Thank you, Zil. Um, just before if anyone else would like to come in with questions, a new question, maybe there's some things that have come up that Yunha would like to speak back to at all, if you're, as you're there, Yunha. Oh, yeah, sure. I just uh, um, thought about the Prague workshop again when Zil was talking about the body scanning because um, we had a 3D scanner there available. So we all scanned our bodies and um, merged into one body so that was also like a fun um, event that happened during the workshop so why do you have to wear a piece of clothes when you can merge everyone and you can wear (laughs) all the bodies a collective yeah Um, and um, I also feel like every time we met and discussed about how we want to wear things or or what we want to wear there were always this lack of technology that it's already out there in science fiction novels, but it's not in a reachable scale. Like, for example, even this um, augmented reality clothing, there were issues of um, detecting bodies with your phone. Like, I think now it's really advanced that I think Facebook um, acquired this technology to really do the body scanning and placing digital objects on it in a more accurate level. But um, yeah, a few years ago, this was really like a um, challenge for us. And it's it was always like imagining and technology catching up and like, yeah, finding ways to deal with it. And here I see like some of our Wearing Pixels collectives here, like Yasmin, Paula and James, and maybe they can also talk a bit about their experience and yeah, share. That thoughts. would be fantastic if any of you are willing. Thank you, you know. Oh, but at the same time, I think uh, they told me already that they'll be working, so maybe they're just listening. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. No worries. I would have no a, con- a question as well, but um, yeah, we I don't want to miss on this opportunity. Yeah, to- no, let, let's let's um pause for a second, case perhaps Ellen or Kristen, who are really the experts in this area, or more than uh, Maxim and I perhaps would like to talk a bit about any of the things that have been raised today. I think it's just such a uh, 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 the kind of possibilities that might, you know, really explode ways of thinking about what it means to wear. I really loved that phrase of um, Zill's about, you know, an architecture on a moving object. I thought that was really interesting. 
guess I I was wondering, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really not an expert at all, <laughs> um, but I was just wondering about how, like Yuna said at the start, that um, uh, about making clothes not for any kind of financial profit or kind of prioritizing not the financial profit. And yet there's a kind of tension, I guess, between a lot of these digital tools are there to kind of increase productivity and increase um, well, profit, essentially. And I'm just wondering like how that, and perhaps it's a bit of a massive question <laughs> and uh, sorry to like throw it at you, but I was just wondering like how that's kind of like, um, well, I don't know how to find a balance maybe, or how you kind of navigate this kind of, yeah, way of approaching using these tools. And yet, yeah, so I think you probably get what I mean. <laughs> I would like to jump there as well because my question was very much in similar way. Um, with Yuna, we are currently designing um, this haptic handbook that would be a virtual installation. And uh, our IT um, department is freaking out because we want to use Oculus Quest, this uh, Facebook technology, to do our exhibition. And just the principle of buying these things, which is at the moment forbidden to purchase in Germany because it necessitates that you get a Facebook account to use it. It's, it's putting them really on the nerves and, and it's very difficult. We, so, of course, then we will think, okay, the, we are developing something that is in the framework and in, in, in complete dependency of um, a market-driven actor. And that has a huge uh, impact on our daily lives, not all of us, but a huge impact in the planet in general. So yeah, it's the same with Ellen. How do you navigate this, uh, this articulation between doing something that is related to markets and doing something that is kind of like as ambition to, to free us in a certain way. And we come back to the, maybe the, 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 the design as something that is either cosmetic or fundamental, you know, <laughs> and this is a, a tension in the field of designs. Uh, it's been there forever. So yeah, please. Um, yeah, I, re I remember there was like this big critical discussion amongst us when COVID-19 a pandemic happened because after that fashion companies started freaking out and really reached out to digital fashion designers and really started digitizing their garments and it was actually scary to watch how like what's happening because for us did like making clothes in a digital way was more like expanding like possibilities like really exploring like how our bodies can um, yeah explore different boundaries and um, but it was really like what we are trying to achieve was flowing into the commercial level and I saw one slogan of um, newly made online digital e-commerce platform saying buy more quickly because now you can buy quickly on digital you don't even have to wait for delivery and it was yeah really really scary like now they're using uh, these digital technologies to even um, intensify this consuming, non-stop consuming lifestyle. Um, yeah, so it's always like mm, making these critical discussions and um, there are actually a, a lot of other, other sides of this as well. Like now, um, digital fashion companies like the Fabricant or Atacac, they share their uh, object files online so people can download it and use it as they want. So there's like this other sharing aspect coming from the community um, and also like playful aspect coming as it expands. So I think it's just, we just have to look, look out what's happening and be more careful and maybe create more caring platforms or events to counterbalance it maybe yeah thank you so much i think it's just a quick comment before till uh, continues probably reacts further it's just astounding how we can see how productive it is for an anthropologist to get the hands dirty in this business somehow now because then you will have you have to investigate to inquire to forge your you know perspective and and i, th I think it's a very important way of uh, navigating this art and anthropology thing that if if you don't get into a kind of production 
you miss out on a lot of things because you, you don't have this urge to find out solutions and find a position. Probably it's very polemical, but I'm just saying now. But yeah, I think it's it's an interesting way of, of seeing things as well. Please, Zil. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I would just like to add that it also raised this wave of activism. Uh, and it kind of uh, democratized uh, the role of a uh, designer, of a fashion designer, so that with this tool, you are able to speak to the, um, let's say, to the public or to your customer directly. You are not depending on that many people. It's kind of changing, shifting a little bit uh, our way of working. And uh, that's that can be freeing, but also we, uh, I see it as some kind of uh, evolution in our uh, environment that uh, happened years ago when we switched from drawing, uh, you know, uh, technical drawings in hand, and then we switched to Adobe. So at this moment, if you don't have any Adobe skills in Illustrator, uh, Photoshop, etc., you are not going to be accepted anywhere in any studio. <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is what I see as another wave of evolution. Yes, we are still, uh, but we are always depending on the developers and on the market that is uh, creating all these technologies. I think that uh, yeah, we, we won't be able to escape that, but it allows, I like to highlight that it allows a new democratized uh, form of a, or, or, or modus operandi for, for a designer. So that's, that's, I see, that's, I try to see the positives. Can I come back to the question of, of material um, in relation to digital design, maybe mostly for Yuna, but um, because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about approaches, including to anthropology and to making and to practice, but also a really practical thing, which is the limited experience I have um, of doing and then talking to designers who usually either work with ceramics, ceramics for example, um, or, or fashion textiles. So there's a, a quality of experience to a fabric. Um, it's weight, it's tensility, it's, it's you know, um, capacity to stretch or whatever that is. And how that has often driven some elements of making of design of creativity. And I'm just wondering where that comes in or is one of the reasons that you're talking about the the complementarity of digital and tradition of, of material materiality also is because there is no replacement in the digital realm for that 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 really um sensual engagement with material stuff with weight with fall with all that where does that where do you how do you feel about that um and and, how, and does that play into any of the stuff that you're you're thinking about yeah i'm just connecting it back to what maxime was talking about like anthropologists getting their hands dirty because I think I would exactly. have never yeah thought about this if I didn't really like download the program and like really tried making the garment myself learning from what Jill was doing as well but yeah it's um I find it interesting that what we're trying to do is not replicate the textures of um the physical fashion industry it's not about like how how accurately do you render a silk shop uh, silk fabric it's more about like what else can we make like can we like for example make a zero gravity fabric fabric floating can you make like a waterfall stop and like float in the opposite direction like you can really imagine a thousand different kinds of textures that are not possible in real life and it's it's funny because when you actually like play with this 3d design software it really gives you a little bodily feeling as well I know it's not like um draping a fabric on a mannequin but it's like you really click the mouse like in a certain direction and use the gizmo tool to like look it in different directions and you need your muscle to move in a certain way and you get used to this um like using both hands and where do you have to place your foot like to have a yeah a nice position and also like people often think that digital design is just one click and done like super easy but that's not the truth like you really have to 
spend a lot of time and yeah like I remember when Jill and everyone in Amsterdam was really working on this project it was really endless nights uh, <laughs> yeah um, and then we were really discussing where we need to demystify digital like it's yeah absolutely um, yes yeah, super interesting. I have to think back of this project of Laurence Duny. She's working on, on, on in West Africa on silk weavers, and um, and the value the value of the garment is made by the quantity of silk that will be in there, but also because the quantity of silk will uh, have a huge impact on the quantity of work that will have to be provided by this weaver. And the quantity of work that will be put in the garment will have a direct impact on the statements that this garment will be making for the person wearing it. And each garment has a message, like uh, it can be directed against the husband or against someone in the family. It can be very strong messages, very powerful statement because they are weaved by a body. And this body cannot weave so many things at the same time and only one. And it, it, it is breaking its back a little bit more each time. And I have the feeling that this could be a kind of value that could be embedded in this kind of garment, the, the number of hours of design that, that is there. Because of course you can replicate with a click, but having one of those, it's yeah, just it's just so much work. And I was thinking of course of this, uh, because a few, few months ago, a piece of uh, digital garment went for a lot of money in a digital auction. So I was, this was also kind of thinking, wh where's the value there? And then we can go to the statement maybe, but it's, it's kind of far off. But to have this idea that there is a, the power uh, of a kind of <clears throat> value that is not you cannot call it magic but there is a power in or like you can you can demonstrate that you have you pay for the work of someone and that is that is very powerful when you meet someone in an interaction on the VR world and you have something that is original and made taking so much hour too many hours yeah this is something that is is not material anymore but it is you know yeah um I don't know if it connects, but um, I was thinking about like, okay, so how do we calculate the hours put into the garment? Or how do we know like this is a piece that someone really put thoughts in it or how many people were involved in it? And there was a funny experiment that we started doing in the collective. Actually, we were talking about it yesterday as well. Um, there is this network that Paula introduced us for network, like an art experiment, upload a post and someone can fork on it and start like a chain reaction. So it's like big fat comments on comments on comments. And James um, posted um, a garment, a t-shirt with like the Berlin TV tower printed on it and uh, attached the 3D garment file as well. So anyone that's forking this piece can download the file and tweak the garment and make it into something different. So I forked it, I turned the t-shirt into like a weird draped dress, uh, which had the same color scheme. And someone else can also fork this garment and it could be like an ever-growing garment. And you can also add comments or like other pictures and um, share it. But in the end, it's like a piece of garment that's growing, but you can also trace back who added which modification and also critically think about our work as well. Because I think in the fashion industry, it's really criticized because the cycle is just really quick. You have to sometimes produce five seasons, seven seasons a year, and it just makes you not possible to think or reflect about like what kind of yeah world you want to make, even though it has a big impact on people, you just forget about like race, class, gender, sexuality, ability it just all hides behind like how can we make more money out of these issues so like instead of thinking of digital as something quick it could also be like a slow garment designing process you can really critically think about each steps or like the world we want to make it and make it traceable by like adding these steps even though this was like an experiment making maybe we can even think of a platform or like a system that develops close in this idea yeah yeah, I see the garment or, you know, that I'm always creating as, uh, you know, the entity on its own. It's as much valued for me as the real garment. It's just uh, there is 
it's two different worlds with two different uh, physical laws. So, you know, in the digital, there are totally different <laughs> physical laws than we are used to in real life. And there is a different, different way of uh, creating an experiment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting to, to observe and uh, getting hands on this tool. And also back to the, uh, as you said, uh, Maxime, the number of hours. Um, and when you mentioned the, the garment that was sold in an auction, that was maybe you referred to the fabricant dress that was sold for $9,500. Uh, and um, it was actually called some number and the number was referring to number of polygons that are the triangles that it's the net that it, the, the 3D model is created from. And more worked out it is, more polygons it has. So it can be kind of a little bit, uh, it's inspiring, I would say, to maybe think of that uh, in those, uh, you know, in a new language of the computing, maybe. And uh, also the, uh, the practice that gaming industry is doing for years already is now being adopted by uh, the new digital fashion houses and uh, entrepreneurs. And that is the shareware and, uh, you know, uh, selling the digital assets, etc. So it's moving very much in the steps of the game design. But... Um, Fantastic. Thank you. Um, as always, we could absolutely keep going for longer. And I was reminded about um, various hybrids. Um, I wanted to ask you no more, which I have the luxury of being able to ask you another time, you know, I hope about um, the relationship between the handbook and, and other types of, of, of garment in particular, in relation to materiality printing and all of those other things across um, yeah, across design, um, textiles, actual printing, how those things are made, all those sorts of questions that um, anthropologists interested in materials and making like to ask. Um, but for now, I think um, we just want to say thank you both to Yuna and to your invited guest, Jill, um, both for coming and sharing with us what you do and how you do it. Um, we will, I can see the, the hands applauding and the love hearts coming up, which is lovely. Um, Maxime and I will be sending out the, um, in good time, in due course, the recording so that you can share with people. And I will certainly be sharing with my students who, because I think there's some really practical, important things they need to know in here if they're interested in, in learning and doing this. So thank you um, both. Maxim, well, I'll let you use the last words. Well, thank you very much. All of you, I'm really super happy about the density that we have and I really like it. I felt like there was a kind of culmination in the end. It was really, really nice. Thank you so much. Um, so see you very soon again. Uh, Till I hope uh, we'll get in touch definitely for the next steps. And uh, thank you all to uh, our regulars. Thank you, Pekka. And uh, thank you. The next one is May the 8th. I think, Francisca, do I have that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> May the 8th. Um, yeah, um, Savi is going to be talking about his film from Delhi. So um, we'll send out information about that soon. Thank you, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you so much, all of you. Thank you. So Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.